Isn't it amazing the blessing that we get when people come and use the gifts and skills that God gave them to bless us? And the thing is, He did that for each of us. He gave each one of us something special, something unique that changes the world. If we'll dedicate it to Him and use it for His glory. I'm sorry, I wish that had been the ending of the sermon, of the whole uh, time together in worship today, because I'd like to go home just singing that in my mind for the rest of the day, but now you've got to listen to me. Today's passage is Mark 11, 15 to 18. And before I read it, I'd like to point out a couple of unusual things. This is a significant passage in a number of ways. And... Perhaps because we, most of us have read it many times, it may not strike us as it ought to. The first thing that, let me just, this is the passage about the story of the money changers and Jesus cleansing the temple. This is unusual because this particular story, even though it's, it's Mark eleven fifteen to 18, it's only four verses long and it's actually quite a short story in each of the Gospels. But that's the surprising thing. It is in all four of the Gospels. Now, for those of you who are Bible scholars, you'll know that there are actually very few stories in the life of Jesus that appear in all four Gospels. The feeding of the 5,000 is one, for instance. This is another one. They're actually quite rare. If you think of all the things that are not in all four Gospels, like the birth accounts. I mean, there are just so many stories Very, very few stories appear in all four Gospels. And I believe that that means that this one is very significant. Each of the writers, each of the evangelists, as we call them, of those four Gospels decided that they could not tell the story of Jesus without this particular story. So it's important. But the other thing that jumps out as us as we read it in a minute is that it's a surprising story. Now, Bryce talked about Sunday school, and I went to VBS in Sunday school, and I remember a little song we used to sing, Gentle Jesus, Meek and Mild. And then we read about Jesus cleansing the temple, and he seems just the opposite. He seems angry, almost violent. What is going on? So, let us read Mark 11. Verses 15 through 18. Then they came to Jerusalem and he entered the temple and began to drive out those who were buying and selling in the temple and overturning the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who were selling doves. And he would not permit anyone to carry merchandise through the temple. And he began to teach and say to them, is it not written? My house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations. But you have made it a robber's den. The chief priests and the scribes heard this and began seeking how to destroy him. For they were afraid of him, for the whole crowd was astonished at his teaching. So what is it that Jesus did on this particular occasion? Well, if we read all four Gospels, it's really rather amazing. It says that he took some cords and wove them together into a whip. 
He drove out animals because in the temple were both oxen and sheep. He began to drive them out. He actually even began to drive out some of the sellers who were there taking care of all those oxen and sheep that were in the temple. Uh, He told those who had cages uh, filled with doves to actually pick up the cages and carrying them outside of the temple. It says that he overturned the tables where people were exchanging money. So what's going to be on all those tables? Coins. And when he overturns them, they're going to scatter everywhere. He not only spilled the coins, it says that he spilled the chairs of those who were sitting there uh, selling the doves. And it says he even stopped people from carrying merchandise through the temple. So we don't see Jesus act this way anywhere else. And we, we think about all of that. And yes, it appears that Jesus is very upset. Now, that's almost a disturbing at first thought, isn't it? Because... He's gentle Jesus, meek and mild. He's perfect. He doesn't sin. And when, well, let me just say it this way. When I get angry and do something like that, it's usually because I'm selfish and stupid and impatient and angry. And I don't know about you, but I know my heart well enough that I can never, almost never claim that my anger is righteous indignation. In me, there's always at least a little bit of selfishness or impatience or whatever, pride or whatever, whatever the issue is. But Jesus is perfect. He is not expressing sin at this point. He's actually expressing holiness and righteousness. And the thing that ought to grab us at this time is not what Jesus did, but what was going on in the temple. If we work backwards from all the things that he had to do, we get a different picture of what's happening there in the temple that looks very different from here we are quietly, even the children this morning, quietly sitting, listening. We're talking about a very radically different kind of atmosphere taking place in the temple when Jesus began to act this way. Now... I'm not the pastor, so you can't fire me. So this morning, briefly, we're going to actually recreate that atmosphere. They are exchanging money in the temple. There's coins dropping on tables and being pushed around. You know, we don't carry coins much anymore, do we? But I bet all of you have some keys. Ladies, dig in that purse. I want you to pull out those keys. Men, get your keys. Okay, so there's the sound of metal on metal taking place there in the temple. This is the temple of the Most High God. Okay, good. Hold that one for a minute because we have we have more things to look at. Now, I need kids to help me this morning. Anybody under the age of 12, raise your hand. Okay, it says that there are doves in the temple. Lots of doves. They're selling them as sacrifices for the for the system there. And does anybody know what a dove does? How, how does it make noise? Woo. Woo. That's very good. Kids, can you do that for me? Woo. Woo. Come on. I, I know you're looking at your mother thinking, can I really do this? <laughs> this one time, yes. Woo. Come on, I need, to, I need to hear you. Woo. 
Okay, okay, that's good. Okay, hold that for a minute. We're, we're not through yet. There are oxen. Big, huge oxen in the temple. Now, those, the bass, bass is in the choir. I heard you up there this morning. Sound really good. I, I need to hear just a little bit of a... And sheep. Now, we all know what sheep do, right? Okay, now the rule is you don't have to do this constantly, but everybody has to do at least one of those sounds just for a minute. But we're not through. They're carrying merchandise through the temple. Ah, merchandise? Merchandise? Maybe they're selling keychains from the temple of the Most High God. T-shirts. My parents went to the temple of the Most High God and all they brought me was this silly T-shirt. Hot dog. Kosher hot dogs? I don't know. What are they selling? What are they doing? Merchandise in the temple. So, I need, need to hear the coins, the keys. Okay, that's good. Now, kids, let's add in the doves. I need to hear you. Okay, yeah, now the, the sheep. Oh, she's heard one before. Okay, that's really good. Okay, oxen. T-shirts, get your T-shirts, step right up. Best exchange rate in the whole temple system right here. Please stop. Was anybody a little offended? This place set aside for the worship of a holy and righteous God turned into a market. But our indignation is nothing compared to that that Jesus felt when he walked in that day. So why did Jesus do this? Well, history tells us that there's obviously one type of racket going on there in the temple that day and every day. There was just the racket of animals and changing money. Just a lot of noise. A lot of noise. And what was the temple supposed to be? A place of worship. A place to stand in awe of God. But that's not the only racket that was taking place in the temple. There was actually another racket going on because, see, in the temple system, you couldn't use a coin from anywhere else to buy a sacrifice to offer to God. The only money that you could use was actually a temple coin that had no image of any ruler from somewhere else. 
And so if someone came and wanted to buy an offering as part of their worship, they had to first exchange their money for temple money. And because it was a monopoly, guess who always had the advantage in the exchange rate? And not only that, then they've exchanged money and there, you know, history refers to a number of different things, but it, it, but it appears that it was quite common that those who were exchanging the money were probably making at least twice on the exchange as you would consider appropriate. I remember going into a, a country in Asia a number of years ago and walking all through the money changers looking for a good one, and there was one who was offering what appeared to be a very good exchange rate. And it looked like he was probably going to make, you know, 2% on the exchange. And I thought, okay, that's better than everybody else. So I exchanged money. Uh, you know, I gave him $100. And when he exchanged the money, he gave me basically $88 back. And I was so surprised. I said, well, this is not right. Uh, the exchange rate says that, you know, I should get like 98 And you're giving me 88 And he said, oh, I didn't tell you there's a 10% service fee for me. And I said, oh, that's just not right. So I handed him the money back and said, I'd like my, my $100 back. And he began to count out U.S. dollars and he said, that'll be $76 back, um, which obviously I didn't do. Um, but you see, this kind of thing was going on in God's holy temple. And Jesus tells us exactly why he was indignant at this moment. In verse 17, he says, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations? But you've made it into a robber's den. Now, actually, those are both quotes from the Old Testament. Two different quotes. One from Isaiah 56 and the other one from Jeremiah 7. And I want to encourage you to go study these passages because they're actually amazing passages about God's intention for his people, for us, and for the temple itself. In Isaiah 56, he's talking about those who come to God and want to know God. And he mentions eunuchs especially who normally would have been outside of the people of Israel because they couldn't be circumcised. But then also in verse 6 of Isaiah 56, he begins to talk about the nations, people who are not Israelites, not of the chosen people. Could they also be attracted to God? Could they also come to him? Listen to what God says. Also the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord, to minister to him and to love the name of the Lord, to be his servants, everyone who keeps from profaning the Sabbath and holds fast my covenant, even those I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer, their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be acceptable on my altar. For my house will be called a house of prayer for all the peoples. God chose Israel to be his holy people and to worship him. And he set aside this place, this temple for their worship, but not for theirs alone. His intention was to draw the nations to himself. 
And folks, it was happening. People were coming from multiple nations, from hundreds, maybe thousands of miles away, who had heard about this one true holy God. A God unlike all the other gods that the nations served. The creator, the powerful, the loving, the gracious, the holy God. And they came because they wanted to know and experience His presence. And that was God's intention all along. Not just that the Israelites themselves would enjoy this relationship with God, but through them now all the nations would hear of the glory of God and be drawn and attracted to a relationship with God. And he says it very specifically, I will hear their prayer, I will accept their sacrifices, I will give them joy in my house. But that's not the only problem. In Jeremiah 7, Jesus talks about, well, the the scripture says in Jeremiah 27 about dens of robbers. Listen to what Jeremiah says in chapter 7, verse 9 through 11. Will you steal, murder, and commit adultery and swear falsely? And offer sacrifices to Baal and walk after other gods that you have not known. Then come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say, We're delivered, that you may do all these abominations. Has this house, which is called by my name, become a den of robbers in your sight? Behold, I, even I, have seen it, declares the Lord. You see, the two problems were that God's people, chosen, redeemed, in relationship with God, had forgotten that God intended to bless the nations through them. And their traditions and their activity and their busyness in their lives had actually become an obstacle. All the noise, all the racket was actually an obstacle to the nations coming to that place and actually experiencing the presence of God. They were stealing God's glory, perhaps unintentionally, but stealing it all all the same. And secondly, they were living their lives in such a way that they thought that as long as I go to the holy place and worship God, then it covers up everything else that's wrong in my life. Not living for Him every day. You know, Ann and I lived overseas for 30 years, and one of the striking things to me when we came back in 30 years, just comparing, is that society has pushed harder and harder for Christians to live their faith in this building on Sunday mornings. Religion is now what you do in church on Sunday morning. It's not how you live the rest of the time. That's what society is pressuring us to accept. And it is unacceptable to God Almighty. He redeemed us to live for Him every day, as imperfect as we are. But to walk in holiness and righteousness. And when we come here to express that in our worship, not to cover it over, because we have been ignoring Him the rest of the time. You see, God called us to be world changers. Literally. 
He called each of us as His children to be world changers. But we're in danger of simply being money changers. Let me suggest briefly just a couple of things that I believe that this would be applicable today in our world. Number one, something every one of us ought to be praying about and thinking about. Are we living our lives like everyone else as if God really didn't matter? And then think we can come to church and that that makes us adequately religious? Maybe it's more than adequately religious for society, but it is not God's intention for our lives. Number two, do our traditions and our busyness actually become at times an obstacle to accomplish His purpose in the lives of those among whom we live? Number three, do we neglect to declare His glory to everyone we know? You see, in the time of the temple... God was working to draw the nations to that place. But Jesus didn't tell us to gather and wait for the nations to come to us. He told us to go to those who haven't heard. And we're surrounded by those. Some of them are friends, maybe our family, our colleagues, our neighbors. We're surrounded by people who've never heard the simple message of Jesus Christ. They really haven't. I hear all the time, people are sick of hearing the gospel. No, actually, the vast majority of people in Marin have never heard the simple gospel story. We've got to change that. And fourth, do we put a low priority on partnering with those who serve the nations, who actually have gone to take the news of God's glory and love and power and holiness? to all those that God still intends and is redeeming for His own glory. We're going to be singing a beautiful song this morning that Beth wrote, Pure in Heart. And I'm going to ask Brother John to come and welcome any who need to make a decision. I do think it's important what happens here in this time together. When God speaks to us and says to us that we should be living differently, we can respond right here. But the most critical thing really is, what do we do when we leave? May God use us to change the world, beginning with the world around us. May He cleanse our hearts and minds of those things that are now an obstacle to accomplishing His purpose for His own glory among all the peoples.